Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. The Dodge Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. It's good to have your company once more. And we are the dogs. We are the defenders of government schools. D-O-G-S. Today we have a packed program. We have a guest on the program, um, a researcher, a demographer. Someone, a social demographer, they work out where people are and what they do and talks about it in, in some detail. This particular demographer, Crichton Smith, has written some very interesting work in the education field, which we'll be filling you in on later. But before then, of course, we always have um, our press release from Jean. And then later in the program, we'll be talking, as we do, finishing on an up note, talking about our great state schools. Um, but before we go, um, what, Jean, what, what number press release is this? 772. 772. At www.adogs.info. Or indeed here at the radio station, 3CR855 on the AM dial, or you might be listening to us on our podcast. But, Jean, what have you got to tell us? What is to be released to the press today? Well, the obvious, I suppose, the contribution of the public school vote to the Victorian Labor Party election win. The Liberal Party suffered a bloodbath in the Victorian election, defeat in its own heartland. Public school supporters could have predicted it. Matthew Guy, Michael Kroger and their advisers had nothing to offer the majority of Victorian children who attend public schools. In fact, they could not even recognise their existence beyond a controversial curriculum program meant to ameliorate bullying. That was about the sum total of their reference to public school children and their parents, two-thirds of the electorate. The Labor Party were not so stupid. They were well aware of the concerns out there in all of the electorates, including Brighton. Robert and I could have told them about Brighton, couldn't we, Robert? Oh, yeah, I've spoken to the Labor Party branch of Brighton many times. If you're listening out there, it's good good to hear from you. I hope you had a wonderful time. You really did. Never have I come across a bunch of ratbags as pleasant (laughs) and as interesting and as questioning as as that lot. They were absolutely wonderful. They didn't expect to win in Brighton. They're the Labor Party in Brighton. It's, it's It's like, oh, I don't know, some... Wings on a pig, it's wonderful. Well, there are public school supporters down there, that's what. That's what. Absolutely. Public school parents and teachers had been quietly informing voters of glaring inequalities between private and public sector funding at both the federal and the state level. A few days before the election, a, a new ABC digital report, which we referred you to here on 3CR, based on research done by the Save Our Schools group, revealed that 85% of private schools around Australia in 2016 received more public funding. More public funding, not private funding, public funding, than public schools. And that was yet more evidence of the deep inequalities in school funding in Australia. Now, according to this ABC report, more than 4,400 public schools, that is over 70% of the sector, received less public funding, that's taxpayers' money, than at least one similar private school, and that was in 2016. Students at a public primary school in regional Victoria, for example, are each $5,500 worse off per student than the students at an equivalent private school. 
These figures, together with the political campaigning on the ground by the Fair Funding Group, and you can go to their website and see what they've been up to, go a long way to explain the Liberal Party bloodbath and the belief of many rusted-on Liberal voters that their Liberal Party had been hijacked by right-wing ideologues, admirers of Santa Maria like Tony Abbott. Matthew Guy thought he had the Catholic vote covered, but in the process he forgot the main vote, the public school vote, which represents two-thirds of Australian children. Now, the public system of education, here's a little bit of history for you. It, in fact, our public system was the creation of 19th century liberal-minded idealists like Parks, Higginbottom and Deacon, who believed that every child had the right to an education. And until quite recently, there were quite a large number of the Liberal Party, for example, members of the Liberal Party, who took the dog's position. As moderates in the Liberal Party take on the extremists in their midst, they should learn from their own history. Liberals rejected promoters of of sectarian schools in the 19th century. In the 21st century, they've been taken over by those that they rejected in the 19th century. The Australian Education Union claimed that the weekend's state election results showed that Victorian voters want a state government with a plan to fund preschools, public schools and TAFE. They know that the the Labor Party was part of the problem in the past, but they are starting to wake up that TAFE has to be publicly funded and supported, as well as preschools and our public schools. And this is what the uh, AEU had to say. Karina Haythorpe said this. Daniel Andrews, she says, was re-elected because he had a plan for public schools and public education. And that also is what Meredith Peace here in in Victoria is saying. Uh, The first order of business for the re-elected Andrews government, uh, Meredith Pearce says, is to put renewed pressure on Scott Morrison to do a school funding deal that sees the federal government committing their fair share. The Australian Education Union in Victoria welcomes the Andrews commitment to fight for more federal funding. Victoria has elected a state government that puts public education first, she said. Well, that is a question, and Andrews has to be held to account. Uh, The dogs are not happy with the 25% that he gives of their funding to the private sector. But the Morrison government should take note of what has happened with the public school vote here in Victoria, because public school parents can now inform themselves with hard facts and figures of how Prime Minister Scott Morrison, like his Victorian counterparts, has abandoned Australia's 2.5 million public school students. I'll repeat that number. 2.5 million public school parents. And you can go to the Counting the Cost of the Education Revolution website on the ABC and you can also go to the Fair Funding Schools website. And if you go to this latter, Fair Go for Public Schools website, parents and teachers can see exactly how much extra public funding their school's local public school will receive under the Federal Labor's $3.3 billion public school funding plan but they can also check on what the Labor Party is doing for the private sector as well, because the dogs are not in favour of either. We take a much stronger position on state aid for private schools. All of these problems will not be solved while private schools have public funding. That is our position. Now, there was a very good reason then why the Young Labor candidate in Brighton almost got into Parliament in the Liberal heartland. So that is our press release, uh, 772.
Hi, our kids. Thanks for that, kids. Yeah, we should add that station ID much more often. Look, um, we've just been listening to some lovely music. Um, some friends of mine, um, Harlequin from Tasmania, actually. That was um, Harry Vass playing my kitol, actually, having a good time. If you're out there listening, Harry, good to hear you. That was from, that's a song called Stella Splendens from about 600 years ago from the Libra of Amel. It's actually a lovely pilgrim song. Sing that as you go on your way to the Cantigas de Santa Maria. Anyway, um, let's get back to the real world now. I promised you earlier we'd have some shocking news, actually. Uh, a fellow called Crichton Smith and some other co-authors have written a paper. And the paper says something which, to my mind, is shocking. Um, it says that where you live in Australia determines how good your school is and the NAPLAN results that pop out of it. Now, whether you think NAPLAN and a good school are the same thing, that's a very big question. But where you live in Australia, your postcode, where your school's postcode is actually, to be technical, determines how good your school is. So you think it's the teachers, you think it's how expensive, how much, how much money you pay for the school? No, no. The postcode Nazis were right all that time. And this is true in Sydney, it's true in Brisbane, it's true in Melbourne, it's true in Adelaide. And the really horrible thing, which we'll be, which we'll be talking about later, is if you don't live in a major city, if you live in either regional or remote Australia, in terms of education... Yeah, you're not doing so good. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure the technical term is not you're stuffed because that's not true because so much of what goes on in state schools around this country is extraordinary, which I'll be highlighting um, later in the program when we talk about our great state schools. But what this paper has discovered is well, really quite confronting. Virtually no school in any city's advantaged suburbs are below the national average and almost no school in a disadvantaged area in any major city in Australia is above average. Now that is a divided society. If you're doing that within your schools, I'm quite comfortable saying that that implies you're living in an unequal and divided society. And more than that, this study shows that this has got worse since we've been actually looking at the numbers, which is 2008. This has got worse from 2008 to today. 
the trajectory is more inequality, not less. doesn't matter. You can talk about Gonski two-point, doesn't matter what. This is not just a problem. It's a problem that's been getting worse over the last eight, eight to ten years. Now, what does this mean? Well, unfortunately, the location-based divide has increased over this time. Now, I'm quoting now from an article from the Sydney Morning Herald um, about, this, um, about this research. The article was written on the 27th of November by um, Palivi Singal and Matt Wade, and politicians around the country have been asked in terms of what, what is their response to this. Now, the geographical comparison is picking up both the disadvantage at a family level and at a peer group level. And if your peer group is educationally advantaged, you typically do better. So who your friends are, apparently, in Australia, if you're hanging around with rich people, that's good for you. Now, unfortunately, this location-based divide has increased, says, says Mr Smith in the article, um, uh, since NAPLAN began. Now, Dr Goss, and who is Dr Goss? Well, the spokesman of the New South Wales Department of Education said that um, the disadvantaged schools in Australia remain relatively underfunded according to targets set by the needs-based schools resourcing standard. Now, despite the rhetoric, disadvantaged schools are underfunded relative to targets, whereas most advantaged schools are typically close to their target of funding. Now, the connection being made here is that advantaged schools in Australia get enough money, thank you very much. And we were highlighting this. Gene was highlighting this earlier in the show. We highlighted it yesterday. We highlighted it last week with the ABC study about where the money goes. A very large number of advantaged schools and advantaged areas with advantaged students who have select entry, that is to say they are private schools, get more money from the government than public schools in the, than the public school down the road. So... We're not going to talk about that now. What we're going to talk about is the actual figures, the actual report itself, which isn't talking about the money. It's talking about the NAPLAN results and it's talking about the postcodes of the school themselves. And I'd like to introduce to the program one of the authors of this study from Macquarie University. Um, that is Crichton Smith. Well, we're very lucky um, to have on the DOGS program today Crichton Smith, who's one of the co-authors of an interesting paper which we were discussing earlier in the program about... Well, just these NAPLAN results, but what's going on with where you live in Australia? Um, Australia, the land of the fair go. Um, there's, some interesting, there's some interesting results, which I, actually I think I, I'm not going to talk about. I'm going to get Crichton to talk about. But firstly, Crichton, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Welcome, Crichton. Yes, thank you. Um, is, this, is this research you've been doing as part of an education thing, or, or, or are you a demographer? I, I'm a demographer at Macquarie University doing a PhD. Yes. So what my actual PhDs on is the spatial dimension of educational inequality. Yes. So this was the first the first part of it was to to look at where how the where the schools are located and their and their results to give a an understanding and then perhaps understand further research on on what might be some of the factors. Okay. Would it would it be too big a generalization to say that your your research is on sort of seeing if there's a relationship between where you live in Australia and um, how, good, how good a schooling you get? Not quite, mm -hmm. because what we, we didn't actually look at where the students were living. That's further down the track. We actually looked at where the school was located. And our first stage was to, to, to map all the schools in Australia. Yep. And, and all of the, the schools in Australia? Every school in Australia. How many is that? Uh, there's about... Ten, just under 10,000 schools in Australia, and in this study for primary schools, there's about 6,500, so it's a, fairly, okay. a fairly comprehensive study, and even by not just Australian standards, but there wouldn't be too many countries in the world that could do this. Well, no, because we've got some data to work on now these days, don't we? Yes, and we actually have... We're using, we're using NAPLAN data, and yeah. that's been going since 2008, so we've got a good long time series as well. Right, so just to clarify for our listeners, your, your, your results, your, the questions you're asking are about the schools, uh, difference between schools, and the data you're using is the NAPLAN results for Grade 5 students, is it? Grade 5, yes, Grade 5 reading domain. Grade we did look at all grades and all domains. Okay. So, so reading and numeracy and... Oh, I won't be cheeky and, and ask you about the other stuff. Let's just stick to the grade fives and their similar. reading. But it, it's, it's similar, you're saying? Yeah, oh, yes. Yes, particularly... I mean, some of the schools are different, but the, the overall patterns are very similar. OK, well, um, that's interesting. Um, we might come back to that later later in our chat. Yes. But um, also, I'd just like to clarify, you're saying that, that the, 
the work you've done is the relationship between these schools and these results, and you're saying that you've got data that goes back to 2008 to, to 2016, is that right? Yes. So you're looking at things longitudinally, you're looking at patterns over time. Yes, yes, very much so. Okay. Now, your findings, I mean, I happen to know, because we were talking earlier, that um, you've been in quite demand in, in, in the media landscape of Australia, is that true? So, so it would seem. It's, uh, it's obviously a topic that's, that's of interest. Um, it was from our perspective. It was just a first start to get us to understand what was going on, mm. and but it's it's kind of taken on a life of its own now. Well, I won't keep our listeners in suspense. Um, in your own words, can you tell us what you found out when you had a look at these six and a half thousand schools or so, and um, and and the kids that are in them, and how they're doing? Yep. So, if you can imagine a map of Australia, a map of Melbourne, um, if all schools that are above it above the national average in the NAPLAN results are in one colour, blue, and all schools below the national average are in red. Yeah. There's no... They're not just next to each other. They're in certain parts of the city or certain parts of Australia. The, the advantaged ones and the... Or so the ones that are above and the ones below are in other parts of the cities. And what we've also seen in, in our longitudinal stuff is this polarity within the cities and the, the difference between metropolitan and, and remote and very Australia has been getting more more um, polarised um, than it was in the 2008 data. Okay, so, so the city divides are occurring, and they're very clear delineations. That's the uh, Visually, that's the, the, the most amazing thing. Well, um, unfortunately, we have the... The wonderful and gorgeous medium of radio. Um, I can yeah. see it in my mind, but what you're—I'm I'm trying to picture it, I suppose. But what you're saying is that if you go to a certain school in a certain area, um, the likelihood of you doing well on NAPLAN is significantly less than if you went to another school in an, in another area. Well, given that the majority of the students—well, the, the students that get the NAPLAN results and the school the school results are the average of that. Hmm. Yes. So, because we've got radio, if you can imagine Melbourne, which you know quite well, yep. sort of the eastern too. area, and and what we then overlaid was um, the, the relative advantage or disadvantage of the suburbs using APS data. Yep. But if we look at the the clustering of schools that are above the, the average, they're all concentrated or predominantly concentrated to the east, um, and the schools that are below the national average are clustered around the outskirts of the city. If you could imagine a, a map of, uh, of Sydney, for example, you could literally draw a line through the northwest and the eastern suburbs, which are our wealthier areas, mm. and all those, virtually every school is above the national average or close to the national average, and southwest Sydney is, uh, is, is virtually all just the schools below the national average. That's... That's depressing. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, because we know from international studies, because we've done, we've, we've done work here on the radio, sort of letting people know what's going on with the PISA study in terms of equality in Australia's education system, uh, noting that inequality in Australia has risen since PISA data has been taken since 2001. Um, but what you're saying is that, that, that there's a shape to this inequality. Yes, and that was the peculiarity that we were looking at, or the the thing we were looking at, and to see such a, a visual representation and in, in Adelaide, which is a, another a different city, it runs a north-south coast, towards the CBD um, is the schools that are above the average, to the north, up around Elizabeth, and, and, is, uh, and to the south in the more disadvantaged areas are all the schools that are disadvantaged. So it doesn't matter what city it is. Mm. And that was, the, that was perhaps one of the most surprising things to me, was this was replicated across the whole of Australia yep. in every city. And that's, that's a concern because it wasn't like this in 2008 to the same extent. Oh, OK. Now, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Mm. This, is, this is a new phenomenon in the Australian landscape. So since 2008, which isn't really history as far as I'm concerned, but in, in the last eight years or so, um, there's been a shift. And so things have got worse. In 2008, would you have... I mean, if you were just looking at the data at a one-time point, and I know you have already if you've compared the mm. two, um, would this have popped out at you in 2008 um, in, in, if, if, if that was the only data that you had? 
would have because you could see it, but it wasn't as clear. Yeah. Like the, over the time, it's got better. And I'm sure if we'd have had the, had the data 20 years ago, we probably would have seen this as well, but it wouldn't have been um, as pronounced. Yep. Yes, um, this is this is a fascinating thing. Now, um, I promised I wouldn't ask you to speculate, but um, has anything happened in the, you know between two thousand and eight and twenty sixteen that you think would be correlated with this growing geographical inequality? I mean, it's, it's basically what I'm saying is: is there a reason for it? Is there something that goes along with this? Or is it, or is it or you're just presenting this on its own as this is a concerning finding? Look, to, to speculate on it is obviously one step beyond my research. Yes. And that's really the, the, the next stage of the research is to look at it. But one thing I would say, looking at this, and, I, and, and, and I've also looked at this not just in the cities but across rural and remote Australia, um, which is getting even more pronounced, and... If you're in remote Australia, it's virtually impossible to find a school. Well, there are only 20 in the whole country that are above the national average. Mm. So, the so, reason... sorry, so I'm, I'm just going yeah. to come back to that because yep. I think that is, in fact, yeah. a shocking thing you've just said, oh, yes. and I can't let you pass through. So <laughs> you're that, telling me that, that in the entire that, nation of Australia, in, in remote Australia... Remote and very remote Australia, 20 schools. 20 schools. Yes, are producing results on NAPLAN... Above the, above the national average. Above the national average. Now, is this above the national average as a, as a, as a complete average or is this a similar schools comparison? No, no, this is, this is all schools. We've used the, the okay. my school definition, yep. which has got every school. That's where the data is. Yep. And it's publicly available, of course. Of course. Just not as easy to, <laughs> just not as easy to, to do as my paper. But yeah. one thing I would say, getting back to your question of what's changed, mm. what we did see... As one thing that changed was Queensland has increased its proportion of schools that have gone above the national average, but the world, and and that's obviously some state uh, activities that have occurred there. Mm. But what we saw was it was the increase in schools, not just across the board, but in the more advantaged areas or the areas closer okay. to the CBD and the outskirts areas, the outlying areas, still were not getting an increase. So it was. It's 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 the poll. Even though they've increased as a state, it hasn't been mm. equitable across the whole whole of the state. Yeah. So I mean, as a as a cheap point, and I probably can't ask you to agree with this. Is this a sort of a educational variation of the rich getting richer, um, and the and the poor getting poorer? I mean, I'm, I'm not not going to talk about it in general. But but what you're saying is that those people who already had advantage in Queensland are increasing their advantage, whereas those people who were not advantaged in 2008 haven't moved or, or gone backwards? Well, I'll, I'll be a little bit hesitant there because we didn't look at the students, so when we talk about the people... But okay. given that these are great, these are primary school students and we're not going to see the great uh, transport, uh, daily transport uh, that secondary has... Yes. Um, yes, I understand your point. Um, to a certain extent... That's what we're, happen- what we're looking at. And we were looking at the, the reason we chose the index of advantage and disadvantage is partly because most of the research that looks at disadvantage or looks at um, disadvantage will look at the schools that are disadvantaged and not look at the schools that are above the national average. Mm-hmm. Whereas what we wanted to look at is the whole variation. So we used an index of advantage and disadvantage, which allowed us to actually see this very question of is there an increasing advantage for schools in those advantaged areas and a decrease and a decreasing or an increasing disadvantage uh, for those schools in in disadvantaged areas and yes so your overall comment is one that i won't make but it's one that you probably aren't too far off Yep. No, making no, your thank call you very much no. <laughs> i know i appreciate um the work that's gone into the paper, I've, I've read the whole thing, um, and I do actually, just before we go any further, recommend that our listeners who are interested in this, because I think it's a watershed paper, um, it'll be available, um, a link to your paper will, will be available from our website for our listeners if they want to have a look at the blue and the red. I think it's, it's, a, it's a stunning stunning presentation, your paper, and I'm, you. I'm not at all surprised that um, we're not the only people in Australia that are interested in the work that you're doing. Um, now, 
Often we hear in terms of, actually at the moment politically, we're hearing a lot of people talking about Australia, the land of the fair go and fair dinkum this and all that sort of stuff. Um, I would, and you know, you don't have to agree with me, but I would paraphrase um, or just sum up a lot of what you've said as that the, the relationship between advantage and geography, noting that the schools are located in places, um, in Australia is, is becoming more fixed um, from 2008 to, to, to 2016, um, which is sort of the opposite of the fair go, I, I would have thought, in, in political terms. I, I won't ask you to comment on that. Well, but... I don't mind commenting on that because mm. it's what the survey result... Well, not the survey, it's, it's what the mapping of the data tells us. And all I've done is presented the data yep. in, a, in a digestible way. The Education Act, Australian Education Act says location shouldn't matter. The Melbourne Declaration... the um, says it so. It's a, it is a desirable action or a desirable outcome that we want for Australian education. And when I look at it from from my own perspective, and this is as a person looking at it, I'm going, well, this just doesn't seem very. It just doesn't seem very equitable. No. No, I mean fairness is is is, is a value. I think certainly when it comes to education, or at least the idea of the the equality of opportunity. Uh, perhaps I can say that your, your data shows that there is not an equality of opportunity if you take someone's or a school's postcode into account. Mm. And I would hope that, uh, I mean, we, we, all, we all hope that education administrators are have, have looked at this information, I'm sure they have, and they're, they're trying to remediate it. Mm. Um, in a perfect world, this map couldn't exist yep. because it, it would vary from year to year based on the, the the performance of those individual students. Yes. But what we see is this pattern is also consistent from year to year. Yeah. Like, Over, like the, and, and, and more than that, it, and from what you're saying from 2008 to 2016, um, the pattern is becoming more pronounced. Yes. Yes. Um, look, and some... the, first cohort of, uh, the first cohort of NAPLAN students, yes. who my daughters were actually part of that in yes. 2008, have now finished school. They're now... Some will be at university, others won't be. But So we've had a whole generation of children going through the NAPLAN process now. Yeah, which, which sort of um, brings me to my next question, which is, a, which is a personal question, I suppose, for our listeners. Um, because, you know, many parents, they desire to have the best opportunity for their children and, and the decision of what school to send their child to in Australia is strangely and perhaps almost uniquely a very large one. Um, now, it would be wrong of me to ask for your advice on where should I send my child to school, but if I were to say that if I wanted the best for my child, I should consider moving houses would be the best best way to go about it. I, I don't know. If, if what's best for your child is NAPLAN results, yes. then that, that might be part of it. Yep. Um, look, schools are a lot more complicated, and parents choose for a lot more reasons than NAPLAN results, but it's a symptom of what's going on in the school, perhaps. Yes. And... and, and if there's no school zoning, as there are in some cities, hmm. then children are free to move, not to the, not go to the Lacosa school, but go to another school. Or, and whether it's government or non-government, they've got that choice. Where there's zoning, such as uh, I'm in Sydney, we have school zoning in the government sector, and that would prevent children from going to another school. Hmm. But there are bigger issues if than than just choosing to to go to the next local school or the one down the road because if these schools are across the other side of the city, there are, there are, it makes it more difficult. It does, most definitely. Um, look, something we haven't touched on yet, and I'd like to in, in this little chat, and thank you, by the way, for being so candid um, and open with the data. You're, um, for our listeners, I'm sure they, they appreciate your, not just your candid, but your ability to explain very complex issues very simply. Um, we haven't touched on the idea of school sectors yet. Um, because in Australia, almost uniquely in the world, the, the government funds um, three sectors, the independent sector, the Catholic sector and the public sector. Both the independent sector and the Catholic sector are exempt from uh, the anti-discrimination law, so they can choose um, students based upon their own particular needs or requirements. The state sector, of course, is not like that. It's um, well, essentially supposed to be free, but it's definitely secular and um, universal in its intake of students. Did you find any, any large effects in terms of school sectors? So if I was a parent and I'm going, oh, look, I really want to do the best for my child, I know, I'll, I'll buy them a good education um, at 
at the local independent school. Is this going to solve my problem for me? Well, it depends on where the school's located, to put it... Um, as, I, as I've said all the way through in my research and, and other interviews, what we what we found is where the school's located is much more much more of an indicator than who owns the school or who runs the school. Mm. So schools in advantaged areas, whether they're government or non-government, are generally, are all, pretty much most of them are doing above the national average. Yes. But in disadvantaged areas, we did see some difference. And if I can just get onto that in a second, but go back to the, the schools in the advantaged suburbs. Yeah. And I'll use Melbourne because you're, you're, you're familiar with it. Absolutely. And, and my paper actually has the data there. So... 75% or three-quarters of the school government schools in advantaged areas above the national average. 75% non-government sector, 78%. So very little difference in that. Mm. What we do see in the disadvantaged areas, and remember, there are also um, mid-range areas, What we, because of the nature of a paper, you write the extremities. Yep. Um, but when we looked at the disadvantaged suburbs, what we found in, in Melbourne was 8% of government schools were above the national average and 24% of non-government schools. Part of the reason for that is that there are fewer non-government schools. Yes. Um, so when there are very small numbers, a percentage increase can be quite large. Um, but it still means that three-quarters of the, of the non-government schools in those disadvantaged areas are not above the national average. It does. Yeah. And, and just, just, just to go back to what we were saying a bit, we're talking about grade five here, aren't we? We're talking about primary schools, not secondary colleges. Yeah, very much so, and that's part. And part of the reason we chose to use primary is because there is a lot more variation that we know of population, students moving, yeah. and school choice and things like that um, that come into the secondary equation. Whereas in the primary, if the non-government schools will, in the main, be the the Catholic primary school. Mm-hmm. which is a local school as opposed to a government primary school, which is a local school. Um, but secondary, it's, it's very different. And in some places, um, it's, it's, it's quite significant. And also other things come into play for NAPLAN. And the Year, nine, year 7 NAPLAN in most states is, is um, the transition. It tells you more about the primary school than the, the school it just entered. Year 9, probably the greater focus is on Year 12. Yes, so that's why we tried to deal with primary schools. And it gave us the... Tried to reduce those sort of other factors that might be influencing such as, as more significant school choice. Yeah. Um, have there been any comparative studies in other countries overseas? Um, because I know um, there are... I think there's only about... There's only two countries that are more inequitable than Australia in the OECD. One's Chile. Chile, the other one's Hungary, I think. Um but have there been comparative studies in, for instance, other English-speaking countries that, 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 that Australia can hold itself up to? Look, as a, as, a, as a student, as a PhD student preparing a journal article, you have to do the literature review, review and looking at, obviously looking at this. And there are studies that we could find in other states. The US particularly has a, an interest in this, and the UK, which are the ones I was looking at particularly, um, there are city studies or there are state studies, but they're not national studies. And part of that is, be, I think, is because Australia has, a, has something unique in my school, having the data for every school in Australia published by the government. Mm, you must thank your lucky stars to Julia Gillard. Oh, look, when they, with, with the arrival of my school, I've just thought this is something, this is something that we can really use for good, mm, mm. I'm hoping. And I'm, and I'm hoping this is for good. Um, I don't think it's. In, I, I don't want to sort of name and shame schools below average because clearly what we're seeing is there are factors beyond the school grounds mm. that are coming into play here. Yes. Look, um, I'd just like to thank you very much for taking your time to talk to us here at 3CR on the Dogs Program. Um, it's been a fascinating chat and very. I mean, we. I, I don't know if you had much to do with Trevor Cobalt. Um, I've, so- I've read a bit of his work, and yeah. in fact, I. I was uh, tr- trying to get some of the stuff that he was doing, which I thought was was quite interesting. Oh, yeah, well, we can we can introduce you if you like. Um, I'm sure you two will get along fine because uh, the way you've presented it has been fair and balanced and, and deeply interesting to our listeners, so much so that I recommend our website. We'll put a link to the bachelor paper um, so that if you do want to go through it, you'll you'll find that what this this what, what Crichton's talking about is 
is not made up. Just one, yes. just, just one Sorry, more. Can I just say there, the, jour- the journal actually, because of the, the interest, the journal's actually made the publication free for the next two months. So oh, excellent. Is that, so geog- is that geographical research? Ge- Yes, it is. Yes. So you can link to that, and it's it's uh, available. And the good thing is, you can actually your 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 listeners can actually see the maps of the cities around Australia. I and think, the one I'm particularly interested in is that remoteness one. I think, and I, we we didn't have enough time to talk about that, but that is that for me is shocking. We often say here, um, I'm sure you're not a regular listener, but maybe you will be. We often talk um, in terms of the assumption in Australia, and it's it, it's an assumption that goes across. I mean, the whole concept of a, of a similar school's measure in itself is, to my mind, slightly offensive um, because that assumes that all students do not have an equal opportunity when they walk in the school door. Uh, parental income or ICSIA values is something that we can talk about some other time, I'm sure. Um, but what you're saying is that this is not just a question of individuals starting from behind the eight ball, but there's some very significant geographical mapping which shows that the school you go to in the area you go to um, presents a problem for students at the, at the very beginning of their educational lives in primary school. Yes. Um, one of the things I, I, if I would like to say is what this also shows is there are different, probably different reasons occurring in different places of Australia Yes. and a blanket approach of all students are the same or all schools are the same, one would hope this sort of research or would sort of perhaps suggest that a different way of looking at how we can improve it and localising that to the local conditions and, and the differences, and particularly mm. when we think of our, our non-metropolitan schools, yes. the, the yeah. factors there are actually a lot more compounding and, it, and it's, it's, it's just compounding disadvantage on disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if the stated aims of Gonski, which has started around about 2008, if the stated aims were to reduce inequality, um, one would suggest that the outcome of, of, of that Gonski intervention um, has had the opposite effect. Yeah. What I would say is we did also find some clusters of schools in, in remote Australia that, that, or, or in southwest Western Australia, for example, that sort of go against the norm. Oh, and, thank goodness. And what can we learn from those is something I hope we can take on board. Yes. Oh, well, I mean, I suppose you're, you're pointing the finger, but, you know, you're pointing the finger in a, in a very specific way when you talk about um, South East West Australia. We might follow it up on the program, actually. I think that's, that, that's well worth talking about. But um, I'd like to thank you very much again for your time, Crichton. Um, thank that, you. That's Crichton Smith from Macquarie University, a PhD student. Is that right? Are you still a student? Yes, I am. Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Another couple of years. Good luck. I'm sure your supervisor will be very happy with this with this interview. You, you, you've um, really communicated effectively. But um, yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State College. schools are great. Harkaway Primary great School. Sunshine North Primary They're School. really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Got, gee, like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got vis- physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually thing? an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly uh, assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a, a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that is actually... So, so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a positive great deal. relationships with each other, with teachers, and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast, and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. And this week we're going out to Footscray. Yep, um, we've been having some. Well, we've been listening to terrible things about the way schools are divided in Australia, and your postcode defines on who you are. Well, of course. We find here when we come to talking about great state schools that the exception proves the rule. And one of the exceptions that proves the rule, of course, is Footscray City College in Footscray. Before we talk about that, I'd just like to say that little bit of music we heard before was the Saltarello Fourth, again from um, Harlequin, a little 14th century piece of music, which I happen to like, played by one of my very favourite composers, written by one of my very favourite composers, Mr. Mr. Anon Anon. Yeah, no one knows. Just as well, because the music speaks for itself. But look, let's get back to Footscray City College because music and Footscray City College go together. Media and Footscray City College go together. In fact, Footscray City College, around about 1,000 kids, 930, bit, bit shy, up and down from year to year, biggish school from year 7 to 12. But they also have a TAFE program specialising in media. And there is an amazing diversity of kids that go to this school. Um, they come from places like Mount Massenden. They come down from Kyneton every day. They come up from Werribee to Footscray. They come from Melton. They come from Caroline Springs. They come around from St Kilda because Footscray City College, a state school, is doing such good things, especially, I think, when it comes to their media and their TAFE programs. major attraction of the college is extensive range of sub- subjects and program choices. Two significant curriculum priorities in the school aren't just media, but two of the significant ones are science and arts together. See, often we talk about science or arts. Oh, I like science. That means I hate the arts. Oh, I love arts. I hate sciences. Now, Footscray City College is all about all the things together in one place in Footscray. Now, at 7 to 12, um, when you look at the kids that go to the school, in terms of their distribution, only 10% come from the richest families and basically 70% of the kids come from the poorest families in Australia in the lowest two quartiles when it comes to Ixia values. There's a lot more boys and girls too. Which is interesting. When I say a lot more, 61% of the population are boys. There's only about 1% of the kids are Indigenous, but almost half the kids come from a home life where their language they speak is not English. So you're talking about a particular type of Australia that's coming to Footscray and melting together to to create an extraordinary environment. Now, what are their NAPLAN results like? I know we were talking about NAPLAN results with um, with our demographer, with 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 a um, soon to be Dr. Crichton Smith. Um, what are the NAPLAN results? Well, how much? Well, what do the NAPLAN results mean? You know, what do NAPLAN results mean? Well, NAPLAN results mean that you're good at doing a NAPLAN test. So. You think I'm making excuses for the NAPLAN results? The NAPLAN results against schools of similar students are substantially above or above all other similar students. Um, Now, bearing in mind, we've just found out that where you live 
And I can tell you, PISA study told us last week that the income of your parents are both the biggest determining factors when it comes to how good an education you get. So how do they compare to all Australian students? Well, guess what? They're above (laughs) all Australian students, even though most of the kids that go to this school are from the poorest parts of Australia. So this is the school, which is the exception, that proves the rule of what Mr Crichton-Smith was talking about before. So I always say, well, how much does all this excellent cost? You know, excellent, excellence costs. Now, I often say that around about $13,000 is what you need to educate the average, inverted commas, student to a gold standard in this country. So these kids aren't your average kids. These kids come from the poorest half of Australia. So in Australia, we know that the poverty of your family background and indeed the the poverty of of, of your postcode are now important things when it comes to it. So you would expect to be spending more than $13,000 on these kids to get them up to the gold standard and above, which is where they are. So you've got good kids, you've got good teachers, you've got a good environment, you've got a good curriculum, you've got sciences, you've got arts, you've got all this stuff going on. There's no fees at this school. I can tell you that if you have sending a child to this school, your, the, parent, the, the median parent contribution is around about $600 a year. Okay, So that's not nothing, but you don't have to pay it. And many of the parents, I'm sure, because of financial circumstances, would not pay this. You know why? Because it's a state school. <laughs> And it's not a private school. So how much does it cost to get this education into these kids from St Kilda to Kyneton? Well, cost $13,000. $13,000 per kid. That's all it costs, which is less money than you would have to spend on a child in a private school. That's less taxpayers' money than you spend on many private schools in the local area. So I'm just going to say that again. Footscray City College... <laughs> is doing this fantastic work with a 1,000 kids from all around Australia, half of whom don't speak English at home. They're doing brilliant work. They've got good NAPLAN results, They got it, and they're doing it for $13,000 per kid. Cut rate. If I was an economist or a demographer, I'd be looking at this place saying, hmm, what are they doing right? Let's copy this. Brilliant stuff. So congratulations. Our great state school for the week is Footscray City College. Yeah, well, that's it for our dog's program today. Very full, very full of data. I do seriously recommend um, that you link to our website to get more detail on that article by Crichton-Smith. I think it, along with the PISA study work and the work done by ABC, information is coming out to show what a schmozzle, what a literal schmozzle that this current government and the ones before have made of education in Australia. We'll put the information up on the statics in the statistics area of the uh, webpage. Which is at www.adogs.info, www.adogs.info. Next week we'll do a, a press release on it too. Absolutely, because it's worth looking at and I'm sure this will just set the apple cart again. Um, you've been listening to the Dogs Program and we've come into our end of our time here on 3CR855 on the AM dial. If you do, and I'll just say it again, if you do have a good school that you want us to talk about, please give us a call at the, at, at the radio station, 94198377. Say, I want to talk to Rob. I m- might not be here at the time. Leave me a message. Just leave the name of the school. That's all I need. I, I, that's, I can take that and I'll do all the research myself. So all you've got to do is call and say, I reckon this school's brilliant. Leave the name. And I will do the research and it will be on the, on the air in the weeks to come. But the fight has to continue. We are the dogs. We are the defenders of government schools. We have to defend them because they are being attacked. And we now are working out how, exactly how bad the problem is. So we have to turn up again next week. As soon as we've won, we'll go off the air. As soon as state schools no longer need defending, as soon as government schools have got all the money they need, And Australia is a fair and equitable country where every child has an equal opportunity when it comes to an education. It doesn't matter their postcode. It doesn't matter about their parental income. It is just the content of their character, or indeed their brain, that matter. It's it's the material they bring to school that matters. That's the way Australia should be. And when I say the material, I don't mean pens and pencils. I mean a brain willing to learn, which is what a state school should be. And what a state school in many ways... And certainly a place like Footscray City College. That's, that's what's going on. We're going to have more of that. But until next week, it's bye for now.
saw Joey last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never died, says he I never died, says he In Salt Lake City, Joe says I I'm standing by my bed They framed you on a murder charge Says Joe, but I'm dead Says Joe, but I'm dead The copper bosses killed you, Joe They shot you, Joe, says I Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe, I didn't die, says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill. Went on to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your Summer brings picnics in the park and summer brings the 3CR Summer Wine Fundraiser. Thanks to the support of Small Patch Wine Store in Hawthorne, we're selling 3CR Radical Radio labelled wines for only $15 a bottle. And they're even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR at those summer festivities. Call the station between 9 to 5 on 9419 8377 to order or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Then you can drop into our Fitzroy studios to collect before the 21st of December. Small Patch Wine Store is a 3CR supporter. The City of Stonington presents Family Christmas at Central Park in Malvern East. Hosted by Lucy Durack with performances by Emily Williams and many more. This twilight concert offers a night to enjoy the park, carols and fun favourites. Christmas at Central Park in Malvern East. Sunday, December 9 from 6.30pm. See the City of Stonington website for more details. A 3CR supporter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.